Hello, and welcome to the Can Do MS podcast. My name is Samantha Balistrieri, and I'm your host. Today is episode number 54. We're going to be talking about energy conservation. I'm excited to welcome our two guests to the studio today. With us, we have occupational therapist Stephanie Nolan, as well as guest Jean Caffrey. Jean is an endurance athlete living with MS. As many of us know all too well, Energy conservation is a key ingredient to managing life with MS, and it's also been a crucial element to Jean's goals as an endurance athlete. Jean, let's start with an introduction. Will you please tell us about how you were diagnosed with multiple sclerosis? Sure. Um, So back in 2009, uh, while training for the Florida Ironman, I had run into some issues uh, in the race um, where going through the swim, uh, which is a two-lap swim. Um, coming out of the, the first lap, my legs were were, were numb, uh, real spastic, and I ended up hitting the beach because my legs gave out. Um, got up, just assumed it was something to do with uh, the race. Uh, went through the rest of the swim, got through it, got onto the bike, had all kinds of problems on the bike as well with the same cramping and spasticity um, until got through the bike and got into the run and it just got worse and worse where I couldn't feel my feet. They were numb. Um, and by the end of the race, uh, I, again, I was ignoring it, just assuming it was from, 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 uh, things that happened during the race. And by the time I got home back to New Jersey, um, you know, it had moved from my feet up my legs into my midsection, um, to the point where, you know, every time I stopped, if I was out running, it would, it would, give me an electric kind of burning feeling to it. So that's when I finally stopped ignoring it and thinking it was a, uh, like an overuse training thing. Went to um, a neurologist, got tested that day and um, through all the different diagnostic tests they do, put me through MRI, um, um, MRIs. They found findings of um, scars on, and plaques on my brain and my spine. And I was diagnosed with MS shortly after that. Wow. And then when and how did you first connect with can do multiple sclerosis? So um, it's a funny story because like after I was diagnosed, I started Googling exercise and MS, uh, endurance exercise and MS, fitness and MS, whatever I could find. And, and I found stories about Jimmy Huga and it blew me away that, you know, he had gotten it so early. He was an Olympic uh, champion, you know, winning medals. And then shortly after that, I got diagnosed with MS when there was zero treatments. And it really pulled me out of my funk of being diagnosed uh, when I found that. And because I, I saw that he fought it with what he knew about athletics and, and fitness and being healthy, and it helped him. And that he went out and started helping other people. That really got me motivated that day and, and told me I could, I could do it too. And it really got me focused on keeping up with my training. And if I kept up with my training, it would keep me strong, even if I had MS problems. And then I can still do what I'm doing and maybe even help other people be, um, you know, inspired to do their stuff. I also found information about something called MS Global. And that was uh, Tyler Hamilton's uh, organization that was taking people across the, the Tour de France routes, uh, taking people with MS and without MS, raising money and getting over the these, these amazing rides and climbs. And, and on that same day, I found both of those. So that's what my fringe connection to Kendo MS was. Then I was invited to a cycling event for MS that was being headed up by Tyrell Hamilton. So I went out, I got involved with it. And when I got there, I found that the charity that we were working with was Kendo MS. And it was this kind of a um, life-changing 
week and it was meant to be and I feel it was fate, but it was what got me connected and focused on what I wanted to do from that day forward. Everything's been about riding for awareness and, and trying to help everybody live their best life with MS by inspiring them through what I do. That's really incredible. Yeah. Your, your story and your attitude really remind me of, of what I know about Jimmy Huga and his legacy. So that's really special. Yeah. He changed my life without, without me even meeting him. So, uh, you know, I met his son one time and I told him that I said, he's just, it's just totally changed where I was at at that point. So it's really great. Yeah. That's awesome. And something else he was really passionate about was teamwork. And we're lucky to have an occupational therapist here with us today. So Stephanie, welcome. Hi. So I want to pull you into the conversation Um, as an occupational therapist, what can you help with and what can we learn from you? Uh, So I feel like occupational therapy is such a great resource uh, for people with MS. And I think our biggest role would be uh, energy conservation, which is fancy for fatigue management, Um, trying to find ways to manage your fatigue by conserving as much of that energy as you can, uh, giving you more energy to use throughout the day, not necessarily making more energy right there, but making it spread out throughout the day. Um, But we can do that through so many different ways that might be using gadgets, that might be just pacing your day and kind of figuring out how and what to do and when to do it. That could be educating you and your family and your friends so other people understand a little bit better. Um, It can look like helping with vision, helping with heat tolerance. That's another big one. And I know, uh, Jean, we've talked before that 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 was a tough one for you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, you know, OTs just play a big role in so many areas, but in the overall, like improving that function with different strategies, techniques and I think that fatigue management is like the biggest key. Yeah. Especially with multiple sclerosis where that's such a common problem. Uh, Jean, you're a passionate endurance athlete. What other roles are important in your life? Uh, well, besides the riding the bike, um, my family work, I'm a, I'm a salesman. Uh, I've been doing that for 30 years. Um, uh, selling, um, on the road, I'm driving a lot, that kind of stuff. So, but, but mainly family health and, uh, keeping that bike rolling. Yeah. You're clearly balancing a lot of roles. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. Um, and as Stephanie mentioned, energy conservation can be beneficial for anyone with MS. Stephanie, I know this is a topic you're really excited to talk about. Can you tell us a little bit about how energy conservation can help people with MS? You know, I think a lot of people, um, when they first notice the fatigue or experience the fatigue, there's a, uh, it's overwhelming almost. And then there's this, I have to get everything done as soon as I wake up in the morning before that fatigue monster hits at 11 AM or something like that. So there's this um, strive to just cram in all these things really early on. And then 11 o'clock hits and they're like, okay, my day's done. I I got my eight to 11. That's all I got. And I'm down for the count. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's like a huge thing is uh, really just figuring out how to make that little bit of energy you have in a day last longer. And, And someone once told me, MS gives you a dollar a day and like you kind of imagine if, if you had one dollar worth of energy and you had to spend that dollar very carefully and spread every penny out, how would you spread it out? And so many people spend that dollar real quick in that first couple hours of the day, they have no dollars left or they steal tomorrow's dollars or the next day's dollars and then they're out on a loan that they really can't afford. So figuring out how to plan and organize yourself to be able to manage that energy is really critical. Yeah, that's, that's so important. And you have a good tool for people to help remember energy conservation. 
Yeah, so I like to use something called the four P's. Um, so we separate into four different groups and those are um, prioritizing, planning, pacing, and positioning. So we you know, break down what's priority, what needs to be done, what can be done later. Planning, how are you gonna budget that dollar? How are you gonna plan out your hour, your day, your week? You know, and Gene, he plans out a year ahead. <laughs> He's got all his races and stuff. Um, and then pacing, how are you going to pace that hour? And then positioning is things like gadgets or tools or how you stand or sit while you do something. Um, so, you know, those are the four P's and, and how you can use those to uh, break down your energy techniques or energy saving techniques. And so in other words, think ahead, use your energy wisely and listen to your body. Okay, we're going to take a moment to hear from one of our sponsors. When we get back, we'll break down the four P's of energy conservation and learn some tips and tricks from Gene when it comes to managing his fatigue. Therm Apparel celebrates people overcoming the obstacle of heat sensitivity. Don't let the heat keep you from the things and the people you love. Undercool cooling vests are an easy, comfortable, and discreet way to fight the fatigue, inflammation, and cog fog of MS. Keep your active lifestyle and enjoy life's outdoor pleasures. With Therm Apparel, now you can. Can Do listeners receive 10% off by using code CANDO. For more information, visit thermapparel.com health. So welcome back and thanks for listening. We have Stephanie and Jean with us in the studio today. We're going to continue our chat about energy conservation. So Stephanie, tell us more. How can planning help with energy conservation? So planning is really important. I like to encourage people to look at a calendar or look at a schedule for that day and write down everything you plan to do and just kind of visualize that. And when you go to plan that, and this kind of bumps in a little bit to pacing, but when you go plan that, I want people to really think about what are you doing next? How are you going to pace that? Um, and, and write all the things out. People forget sometimes to write simple things like bathroom breaks or taking a nap might need to go in there. So really looking at your day and planning ahead versus kind of going on the fly. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's, it's so different depending on how much energy you have for Jean, you're an endurance athlete, but how do you use planning to help you with energy conservation? So yeah, the planning is big. Um, I have schedules that I have to follow for work. I have schedules I have to follow for my training, you know, in order to be ready for what event I'm, I'm getting ready for. So my work is the normal calendar that you guys all use. And I, I look at it. I have everything from home in there and work. I, if my wife needs me, I tell her to send me a meeting invite. You know, it's, you know, just it's easier that way. I won't forget. And then I, I work with a coach to help me plan out uh, my week, my month. It's done every day. And we, we really pay attention to every workout. And he sees how, I, how it affects my body. And he plans the next day. So he helps me plan. Um, so that's, that's really good. And without, without that, I would be doing too much, um, you know, and, and I would ignore, just like I did when I was first getting diagnosed, I would, would ignore that I was super tired and needed rest. So he, my coach helps me 
understand when I need rest, you know, because like you said before, it's, you got to have a team, you know, my wife, my coach, my friends, they, they all help me stay on track. And um, so the tools that I'm using there are the different calendars that my coach uses and the calendars I have. And, and I try and balance all those. And it's also not rock solid plans. So I might have a plan that I want to follow, and, but I have to be open to say, you know what, that would have been great to do that, but I'm going to adjust that, you know, and that's where, that's where the team that's supporting me helps me say, okay, you, you know, it's time to take a break. Cause when that, when that MS fatigue hits me, uh, it's the way I explain it. It's, it's like no other fatigue. Uh, I, I'll be fine. And then I, there's nothing else to do, but to take a nap. And I could take a nap at six o'clock at night for two hours and still go to bed at 10 and have no problem doing that. And then that's how I plan. And it helps me get through that. Yeah. Thank you. And another component of planning is what equipment you bring to your training. So how do you plan to not overheat or at least minimize your overheating? Yeah, that's, that's an ongoing learning process to figure that out, you know, and a lot of times the, the what helps you figure it out is making mistakes. You know, I've had many races one last year where it's hot, you know, it's very hot here in North Carolina in the summers. You can't regulate heat with MS. And when I push it to the extremes, I've had some situations where it's just to stop me, it shuts me down. So some of the ways I, I manage that is, um, you know, there's devices I have on my bikes and I wear heart rate monitors. I have things that can tell me how much power I'm putting out. Uh, I'm starting to look into ways to measure my core temperature so I can figure out what my level is before I hit that height where it's just going to shut me down. The other things I use within, especially when it comes to heat, which when I get overheated, then it's fatigue and then you're done, right? Mm-hmm. I work, I work um, by using um, cooling techniques and pre-cooling before workout, cooling during, and then cooling after. And, you know, I searched and found companies that can help me, this company called Thermapparel, who makes a device called the Undercool uh, Vest that fits right under my my cycling um, jersey. And um, you wouldn't even know it was there. And it just helps me go longer. Um, But it's not just during the event. It helps me before, helps me during, helps me after. And I find that I recover better after that. Um, and also diet and, and hydration and to, to get me through the, the best I can. And all that carries over to normal day life too. Cause you know, when I'm, when I'm doing my job and I'm in the car, sometimes, um, you know, I'm about to go see a customer and it's 105 degrees out. It, you have to balance everything, not just for, for my endurance sports. Yeah, that's really important. So cooling vests, staying hydrated, staying cool, however you can, yeah, all really and, important. And also knowing and then, by doing it, I'll learn my limits really. You can dial it really in because, you know, it, I might want to go at a certain effort and try and go a certain distance, but the day might tell me it's just going to, it's not going to happen. And you have to listen to your body. So. Absolutely. Uh, the next in the four P's of energy conservation is pacing. So Stephanie, why is pacing so important with MS? So we're pacing heavy load work, some recovery work, heavy load work and recovery work. And and I love how Gene even said that with all his endurance training, you know, he has recovery days in there. That's awesome. Like his are big recovery days. You know, a lot of us, I don't have endurance training. I don't do endurance training, but you know, a recovery day on my level might look totally different than a recovery day on his level or a recovery minute or hour or whatever it is. So looking at that, just organizing it. So it's high activity, low activity, high activity, low activity, and trying not to slam in all that heavy energy work first. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that. That makes a lot of sense. Gene, have you ever poorly paced yourself and had to learn from the experience? 
Many times. <laughs> Whether it's work or, or, or an endurance race, the endurance race, it's, it, you see it the most. I mean, just just this August, um, uh, you know, I was in a 12 hour race that um, I, I had a plan. It was working. It was it was involving that ice fest I told you about. And but it was 105 degrees out. And I it's not that I made mistakes. I just didn't know. I learned a lot from it, you know, and it got to a point where you know, five hours in, I was starting to fall apart and it got to a point where I was almost getting towards heat exhaustion. And, and I learned a lot from that. Um, it was brutal. And there's been many races like that. And there's been times when I've worked, you know, during a, a normal day without exercising where it's hectic, there's stress and I'll get home and it's just, I'm out. And, and, and I'll be, the, the MS fatigue hits in, which is, can't be compared to normal fatigue. So it happens all the time. Yeah. And I've heard you share a story a couple of times that that was an experience where you really overdid it and you kind of developed a mantra that you started yeah. to come by. <laughs> now I'll tell you about that. It's so, so that was when I was still, you know, we're always learning with MS, but it was when I was really starting to learn. I was, I was newly diagnosed. I knew I had MS and I knew it had taken some things away from me, but I wanted to give it a try at, at the marathon distance again. And I was starting to um, train. I went out on this run and um, I felt okay. So I kept going. Then I realized I was five miles away from home and I realized that it was going to be a 10 mile run and that was too far. And so I got to the uh, turnaround point and I was really hurting. So but when I'm doing races, I use mantras a lot, you know, just to kind of keep my, myself focused. So when I was running and trying to get back to home, I just started chanting in my head. I don't know where it came from. I just started chanting every step beats MS. And I kept doing that. So I'm not, I'm trying to keep myself from not thinking about the pain I'm in and I'm shuffling and saying every step beats MS and I'm starting to feel better. And before I knew it, a mile was gone and then another mile and, and then another mile. And then I got, by the time um, I got home, I didn't really realize that I was close to home, but then I was home. So on that day, every step beats MS was a physical thing for me. It was just trying to keep me moving. Uh, but since then I've made it my, my mantra for life. Uh, I actually have it tattooed on my leg. You know, when you finish an Ironman, you get an Ironman tattoo. I didn't do that until I got MS. I turned it into an MS tattoo and I have it says every step beats MS. It's on all my bikes that I ride. It's on my clothes. And when people see it, it gets me talking. It helps me raise awareness because then I, I tell them, you know, on that day in the story, it was a physical step, but it's much more than that now. It's to me, it's, it's, the way you set your life up. It's, it's, the, it's your mindset and how you're going to tackle the day. It ties into everything that Stephanie just talked about. What is that next step going to be to help you live your, your best life with MS? And I try and preach that. I, I try and show that in everything I do. You know, when I make mistakes, I try and learn from it. And I just figure if I've got that on my body and I, and I live that way, I can then talk to people and it can help me spread awareness and help us all inspire people to, to do what they need to do to get the best help. And that might mean that they're going to come to one of your, one of your programs and set some goals. Someone's step might be, you know, I'm going to figure out how to do things a little easier at home and it all just goes from there. So that, that's, that's what that is. And um, I love it. it. It really helps me every day. And if I'm helping myself, then I'm helping others too.
Yeah. I love that too. It's, I think it's better to not put yourself in a situation where you overdo it, but when you do, and when it's kind of an inevitability with MS, um, yes. that's a great mantra to help you get through. Another of the four P's is prioritizing. So Stephanie, what are we talking about with prioritizing? When we talk about prioritizing, it's it's determining what needs to be done versus what wants to be done in the day. Um, and I'm not telling people to get rid of all your wants because then life is just not fun. And I know like Gene found a way to make all his wants work, right? He's doing this cycling and he's staying involved and those are his wants, but um, also figuring out how to balance those wants and needs, figuring out, you know, I need to go to work. I need to pay the bills or I need to see my doctor today. Those are the things I have to do. These are the things I want to do and I want to incorporate them in there, but are they simple things like I really want to vacuum my carpet every day? Well, and some people are, you know, type A, they say, and really have to keep everything super perfect. And, and they have this regimen or routine and it, it's hard for them to break away. And, and I love how you mentioned that earlier, Gene, is sometimes you have to be flexible and maybe, you know, the day just doesn't go as you planned and you have to change a little. So that's when those needs and wants can be adjusted a little bit. You know, can we skip vacuuming the carpet today or can we skip something that's a little less important? Is today just, I'm just so tired you know, I really wanted to cook this awesome meal and have all my friends over, but is it a day to switch it up and say, hey, I might order pizza and have everyone come hang out and eat pizza. You know, it, it's just, I can't cook that giant meal I wanted to do today. So balancing those needs and wants. That makes, makes a lot of sense. Jean, you're a driving salesman, you're an athlete, you're a husband, you're a father. How does prioritizing help you with so many roles in your life? It, it, it really connects well with everything that I've learned for balancing an endurance uh, athlete lifestyle. It, it just connects so perfectly. The support of my family to help me get through what I need to get done and banking on and, and, and take and accepting help from my support team is the biggest thing I think that helps me through, through all of that. Yeah. Helping, having other people and um, kind of Delegating your tasks can be really a good, good way to prioritize. And your team, your team does that for me too, as well. Canto MS and the MS Global family that I, that's all part of that. You know, we're all there to help each other, and that's you know, I help other people on the team. They help me, so it's it's every. Sometimes it's hard to, to accept help, but it, you know, if you have if you have to surround yourself with a real team, I think one of you said that earlier in, the, in this podcast. That's the biggest thing, you know. Yeah, definitely. And then the last one we have is positioning. So Stephanie, what does positioning mean when it comes to energy conservation? I like to look at positioning as, yes, it might be the position you're in. So maybe you sit for a shower instead of stand for a shower. Um, and I have a lot of people who say, well, I don't need to sit in the shower. I can stand in the shower. But then they tell me when I'm done with the shower, I'm so exhausted, I can't get dressed. Well, if you sit in the shower, then maybe you can get dressed. It might not even be necessarily that you're going to fall. It might be more you're just saving that energy. Um, positioning could also be gadgets. You know, they have so many adaptive tools out there now. They have special knives for cutting and chopping. Um, you could use food processors to cut or chop, right? You're just saving energy and let a machine do the work. Um, they have clothing that's modified. They have shoes that are easy to put on, especially for people who have um, AFOs or you know braces on their feet. There's you know magnetic clothing. There's so many different opportunities um, with gadgets and tools out there. Yeah, I like that. Every little bit helps. 
So we have planning, pacing, prioritizing, and positioning as those four P's to help us remember energy conservation. And it sounds like it can be helpful to everyone, whether you're an endurance athlete or just need a little bit extra energy to help you get dressed or bathed or do something else that's important in your life. So after this conversation regarding energy conservation for either of you, is there a key takeaway you hope others learn? I would say just always be your own, your, your biggest advocate and learn. I've learned so much just for our conversations, how much that, that Stephanie is, is talking about ties into my life. Um, I didn't know how much occupational therapists did for people with MS before we all started talking and I'm, I'm kind of blown away by it. And realize how much it, it does come into my life. So I think the takeaway is, you know, surround yourself with the best support team you have and, and be your best advocate and always be willing to learn. I love that, Gene. I also feel like um, my takeaway is often that a lot of people with MS feel like they lose control. They lose their ability to control their life and MS might be taking some of that from them but using these four Ps can give them some of that control back. And you can have the power to say, I'm gonna make my schedule for the day. I'm gonna figure out what activities are most exhausting for me. I'm gonna look into these tools that might have helped me. I might be able to say no to somebody when they ask me for, you know, to do something extra today that I don't have the energy to do, or I might be able to prioritize my day a little bit better. So I think it just gives a little bit of power and control back in a moment of feeling like you've lost that control. That's fantastic. Right. Yeah, it's a very useful conversation and a, and a helpful tool. So Stephanie and Jean, thank you so much for joining me today on the Can Do Multiple Sclerosis podcast. It, it was a pleasure having you. Thanks for having thank me. Thank you. It was excellent. Thank you. The Can Do MS podcast is made possible by the generous support of our sponsors. Thank you to EMD Serono, Sanofi Genzyme, and Genentech. And a big thank you to our listeners for tuning in. For more great resources about fatigue management, please visit candu-ms.org fatigue.